Hello and welcome to From God to Us. In this current series in our podcast, we're talking about the subject of election and free will. We began last week by introducing you to the two primary theological systems of belief that support the doctrines of election and free will. When we look at the scripture, we can find plenty of verses that talk about election. We can find plenty of verses that seem to indicate free will in the sense that man has a choice to believe right and wrong or to do both good and bad. And so we have these two seemingly contradictory points of view. Out of these two views of election and free will have formed two primary theological systems of thinking. One is Calvinism and the other is Arminianism. And we outlined those for you in the last session. We talked about a little bit of the history of where they came from. We looked at the two men for which these belief systems are named, a little bit of their history, what some of their emphasis was in their teaching. And then we also gave you the five points of each one of these, the five points of Calvinism, the five primary points of Arminianism, and gave you a big picture overview We also ended by emphasizing the gospel, that both sides really do believe much the same regarding Jesus, his deity, his trinity, his death, his shed blood, his resurrection, and that salvation is only through Christ and Christ alone. Yet, how we get there is quite a bit different in the two belief systems. With that in mind, uh, we're going to take some time and begin to look at each of the points. As As I said last time, We will use the Calvinist acronym TULIP, T-U-L-I-P, and begin with each point, present the Calvinist belief and the verses, some of the verses behind that, and then we'll present the Armenian view of that particular point. Now, please note that we're not going to be able to look at all the verses that each side would put up. In fact, in some of my research, I have numerous verses on both sides that these theologians would use to support their scriptures. And as we talked about last time, we're not going to try to give you all the verses. If you want to dig more deeply into this, there are plenty of other verses, plenty of other places you can look online and find a little more detail of what the Calvinist believes, a little more detail of what the Armenian believes. But I want to give you both sides of the argument of each point and then hopefully try to draw some conclusion from that. So the first point we're going to talk about is total depravity. And we'll look at what the Calvinist believes regarding that. If you have the little chart that I gave you from last time, it was attached to the podcast. It has a comparison chart of Calvinism and Arminianism. And again, these are brief statements. These are overview statements. But we're going to use that as kind of the basis to launch into this discussion and to talk about that. So the first point, again, total depravity, which basically says this under Calvinism. Because of the fall of man, man is unable himself to believe the gospel. The sinner is dead, blind, and deaf to the things of God. His heart is deceitful and desperately corrupt. His will is not free. It is in bondage to his evil nature. Therefore, he will not, indeed he cannot, choose good over evil in the spiritual realm. Consequently, it takes regeneration by which the Spirit makes the sinner alive and gives him a new nature. 
Faith is itself a part of God's gift of salvation. So here, the Calvinist is saying man is totally depraved. He's totally corrupt. He's incapable of doing anything good in the spiritual realm. He's actually incapable of believing in God. There's no way possible he could ever believe and trust in Jesus Christ on his own. Some verses in support of the Calvinist view. We'll take a look at some of those and look up some of the scriptures and read them to you. As I said before, we're not going to by any stretch of the imagination, look at every single verse. But sometimes I find both in Armenian and Calvinism in their attempt to prove their point, will sometimes use verses that don't really seem to say what they think they're saying. So I've tried to choose a few of the best verses that support each view. So we'll look at Genesis 6-5 for the Calvinist view, where God has looking down on mankind. Mankind has become very sinful And the Lord draws this conclusion. It says in Genesis 6, 5, The Lord saw how great man's wickedness on the earth had become, and that every inclination of the thoughts of his heart was only evil all the time. So the condition of mankind here is that he thinks evil all the time. There's no good in him. Uh, Verse 6 says, The Lord was grieved and that he had made man on the earth, and his heart was filled with pain. So there's this sinfulness of mankind, and it seems to be saying that condition of mankind that there was just absolutely nothing good in man. That was his state. He was without any ability to do that which is good. We also look in Jeremiah, another verse that is used quite often by the Calvinist in Jeremiah 17:9. The heart is deceitful above all things and beyond cure. Who can understand it? Now, that's the NIV version. Some versions say that it's desperately wicked. And therefore, this verse is saying that the heart of mankind, because of the sinfulness of mankind, it's deceitful, it's wicked, and you can't even be understood. Now, the next verse says that I, the Lord, search the heart and examine the mind to reward a man according to his conduct, according to what his deeds Deserve. So God is looking into the heart of man, even though the heart of man is, is wicked. So these verses are representative of many others in the Old Testament that talk about the sinfulness of mankind. Uh, a verse we'll turn to now in the New Testament is in Romans chapter 3. Paul, in the first few chapters of Romans, is talking about the sinfulness of mankind. He looks at the immoral people, and of course they're sinful. He looks at the person who might be moral in character, but he's still sinful too. He looks at the religious person who is represented by the Jew and conclude that, yes, he's sinful too. So Paul comes to a concluding statement about the condition of mankind in verses 3 through 18. And these verses are quotations from the Old Testament taken primarily from the book of Psalms. So he lumps together several verses here to give us a description of the state of mankind. Romans 3.10 As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. There is no one who understands, no one who seeks God. All have turned away, and they have together become worthless. There is no one who does good, not even one. Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit. The poison of vipers is on their lips. Their mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Their feet are swift to shed blood. Ruin and misery mark their ways. 
and the way of peace they do not know. There is no fear of God before their eyes. Well, that's a pretty negative and desperate view of mankind, is it not? That Paul draws this conclusion that human beings, mankind, is sinful. All people are sinful. This is a condition of every person. There's no one righteous. There's no one who truly seeks after God. And then all these things that they're Their throats are open graves, their tongues practice deceit, they're swift to shed blood, and so forth and so on. And then he concludes, there is no fear of God before their eyes. So, again, the Calvinists would turn to this and say, see, mankind is absolutely incapable of knowing God, of seeking God. He is just so desperate and so wicked, there is no hope for mankind unless God does something, unless God moves into his life. And so the belief, though, of the Calvinist is that you can't even believe. There is no capacity to believe. If you would hear the gospel, you could not believe it. You could not be saved because you are so depraved. Another verse that the Calvinists would look at would be in 1 Corinthians 2.14 that says, The man without the Spirit, and that's speaking of the Holy Spirit, does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, He cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. So there again, basically saying man has no capacity to receive or understand the things of the Spirit of God. And so the Calvinist has concluded if this is the state of mankind, then the only way he could be saved is actually God has to save him. The Holy Spirit has to come upon a person, regenerate them by the Holy Spirit, enliven their spirit within and then they will believe. They believe in salvation resulting in faith, not salvation through faith. In their doctrine, they clearly state that. This is the result. This is part of the gift of salvation. You you don't have faith. You can't have the faith to believe. God gives you the faith to believe. And so that would be an essence of their understanding of these verses and the state of mankind. Now, if we take a look at the Armenian view, they too talk about the total depravity of man. Their doctrine would state something in this effect. Because of the fall, man has inherited a corrupted, depraved nature, and he is unable to save himself. Because of personal sin, mankind is subject to the judgment of God. Both sides agree with that. But, the Armenian says, God graciously enables every sinner to repent and believe. Each man possesses free will. The sinner has the ability to either believe or receive God's grace and be regenerated, or resist God's grace and perish. The lost needs the Spirit's assistance, but he does not have to be regenerated by the Spirit before he can believe. So there is some similarity in acceptance in the fact that man is depraved and he can't save himself. But the Armenian is going to focus on verses that talk about whoever believes will be saved. And, of course, one of the famous verses in that is John 3, 16 through 18. There Jesus says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his Son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe stands condemned already, because he has not believed in the name of God's one and only Son. Now those verses seem very clearly to say whoever believes, anybody who believes. 
not just the elect, anybody. The door seems to be open. They emphasize, for God so loved the world, and he didn't come to condemn the world, but to save the world. All who believe in him will be saved. The only difference between being lost and being saved is those who believe, who put their faith and trust in Jesus Christ, and then those who don't, do not believe, who reject the gospel, who reject the message. Those are the ones who are condemned. So this verse seems to be opening the gospel up to all people. We'll come back and make reference to that in a minute. But also we find in John chapter 5, verse 24, Jesus says, I tell you the truth, whoever hears my word and believes him who sent me has eternal life and has not and will not be condemned. He has crossed over from death to life. Whoever believes in me or ever believes in him who sent me. There again, faith, and it's open to whoever believes in him. So the Armenian would say, sure, mankind is sinful. He's desperately wicked. He's lost. But God has given every man the capacity to have faith in Jesus when they hear the gospel. We look also in Romans chapter 10, verse 9, it says, But that if you will confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. So if you believe that, and it seems to be open to whoever. Also in verse 13, it says, For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. These verses clearly indicate that the gospel is open to all people, whoever believes, everyone who believes, all who believe, can be saved through faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. And so here we see a little bit of difference of view, again, that both sides are seeing that fact that mankind is sinful and he, he needs to be saved. And the only way he can be saved is through Jesus Christ. Now, the Calvinists would respond to some of these verses by the Arminian by saying something to the effect, like in John 3.16, when it says, For God so loved the world, many Calvinists will say, Well, that's the world of the elect, or that refers only to the elect. And when it says, Whoever believes, that's whoever of the elect. So they would say that this, this is not open to all, it's open to just whoever of the elect. In other words, all the elect are going to believe, so whoever of the elect believes will be saved. Something to that effect. Another thing that the Calvinist sometimes does when it refers to the love of God, we'll talk about this later on in another session, they'll talk about the different types of love, the three or four or five different kinds of God's love. And so when it says God so loves the world, he's not talking about the same kind of love he has for the elect. However, if you look at these verses, they don't seem to be limiting God's love to the elect. When it says whoever believes, there's nothing in the context that points you to the elect. It would cause you to add the phrase of the elect to say this is referring only to those whom God has chosen. And so I would tend to believe at this point that the Armenian view is more correct simply because some of the verses that the Calvinist uses to support the fact that man can't believe whatsoever don't seem to be saying that. They do say man is deceitful, he's corrupt, he can't seek after God. But we'll talk a little bit about the irresistible grace and about God drawing people to the Lord a little bit later. We'll also talk about some things in relation to election in the next session. 
So again, you have to look at these and say, what, what is the Bible really teaching us about the condition of mankind? Both sides agree mankind is sinful. Both sides agree man is condemned to hell because of his sinful state. Both sides agree that the only way he can be saved is through the death, the shed blood, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. The difference being that the Armenian believes that all people have capacity to believe and receive the gospel, which seems to be what the Bible says over and over in many places. Yet the Calvinist says, no, that's not possible. Uh, those verses that refer to whoever uh, is only referring to the elect. And that's, I think, the problem I would have the Calvinist at that point is because there are a lot of verses that you would have to add this a phrase of the elect or says this only is referring to the elect to try to limit those statements, I believe would be incorrect. Therefore, I, I do believe that the gospel seems to be from these verses open to all people and that whoever believes. That's what Jesus said. Salvation comes to all who place their faith and trust in Jesus Christ. And the Calvinists would believe in that too. They would just say the only ones who can believe are those whom God has chosen. And that's basically the subject for the next discussion is God's election and how does that work and the different views of election where Calvinist says it's unconditional, the Armenian says it's conditional, and then we'll have to look at the various Bible verses on that and think about what are the theological implications of those two doctrines and those two beliefs. Just remember this. Salvation is complete in Jesus Christ. God does the saving. Jesus has paid the price for sin. He has risen the third day, and he offers everlasting life to all who believe. And that's the most important element that we need to keep in mind and we don't need to argue over, and we need to continue to proclaim that message of salvation by grace through faith in Jesus Christ. May God bless you as you continue to study his word.